Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. You're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Well, Gil, we went 0-2 against the two New Jersey teams. So how do you think we're going to fare against a New York team this week? Uh, (laughs) Well, that would be a a Western New York, upstate New York team. And, well, let's just say we've got our hands full with this team. No doubt about it. So I I believe we've never won on the road against Buffalo. Isn't that correct? That is correct. It's the only team the Packers have never won a road game against. Man, before the season began, I thought the Packers matched up really well with the Bills on paper um, in terms of, you know, compared to the rest of the league. I thought the Packers were kind of uniquely suited to try and take down the Bills as opposed to the other 30 teams in the league. Wasn't expecting the Packers to be looking like this through the first seven weeks of the year. I still think that they could... At any moment, should they so choose, they can start playing quality football <laughs> and beat anybody they want to because they have the talent. That's that's my opinion still. However, the Bills are crazy good. Um, they are also, through seven weeks, a historically good offense. Um, if they keep up this pace throughout the rest of the season, they would be like a top five of all time offense uh they are every time they have a set of downs they have an 80 percent success rate of either converting that into a fresh set of downs or a touchdown 80 percent that's staggeringly high the bills are not perfect they have some weaknesses we're going to talk about it but the packers are huge underdogs in this game and i would say deservedly so ten and a half point dogs Yeah, first time Aaron Rodgers has been a double-digit underdog in his career. And look, I mean, the big problem throughout this whole season has been the Packers cannot get out of their own way. And, you know, when you're beating yourself as much as this team is self-destructing game in and game out, it's tough to be anything but a 10.5-point favorite on the road against one of the best teams in the league. It is pretty crazy. This is the uh, worst odds that Vegas has given the Packers in any kind of recent memory, and that includes in 2017 with Brett Hundley. The worst odds they were ever given were not even 10.5 points. I think it was like 8.5 points. This is just truly terrible, and it's like it, it, it's there's not any one problem. It's like you fix one problem, like the offensive line and bam, something else comes unglued 
and all of a sudden, hey, we gave Aaron Rodgers a clean pocket all day, and he can't complete a you know four yard pass without biffing it into the dirt at somebody's feet. It's just kind of crazy. Like everybody is taking their turns every week. Like we we got to have uh, four or five position groups on the whole team just absolutely laying a goose egg every single week. And it kind of seems to just be like they're drawing straws to see whose turn it is to uh, turn in a bad performance or a good performance. It's no consistency. Well, the only thing that's consistent is they're not living up to expectations. And, you know, it's always something, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's Rodgers, whether it's the play calling, whether it's the defense playing too soft, the defense not getting key stops at key times. It's never just one thing. There's always multiple aspects of it. And it is so frustrating to watch because based on the roster and based on the talent, you mm-hmm. you know this team can play better. They just aren't. I mean, this the, the past couple of weeks, even Rashawn Gary has not been looking like himself. And that's just crazy given the way he started the year. It is, although obviously the injury uh, has probably something to do with that. And, you know, it's like one of those things where you fix one problem and another problem pops up. And it's uh, it's been a very, very difficult season to watch so far Uh, as someone who is a fan of this team, as someone who is covering this team. it, It is so hard to watch this happen. Well, I think that this Washington loss, um, I'm not going to say it's a turning point because we kind of were already there, but it's it's kind of, for me, it's the end of like hoping they're going to turn it around because I think that, like we, we said, like they needed to not just win this game, they needed to win it in convincing fashion. And they pretty much lost it in convincing fashion instead. It was kind of an opportunity to show if there was any fight left in this team. And I don't think there is. So maybe something turns around, you know, Aaron Rodgers has started speaking very differently about the team and what they need to do to start winning. Um, And I, I more or less agree with, with what he's been saying about, you know, listen, guys who are making bonehead mistakes over and over and over again, shouldn't be out there playing. I a hundred percent agree. I really do. And I, there, there are things that have that have defined the Packers through the first seven weeks that are changing. The defense is playing different. Yes. We're about to see uh, really a, a whole new set of faces out there on offense because the wide receivers we have been playing with are all banged up or on injured reserve or expected to miss some time. I think I think it is reasonable to expect that the Packers will make some sort of addition at wide receiver just because they don't have bodies in that room anymore. But I also expect that at least for this game, we're going to see more Amari Rogers on offense. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, actually, I, I I'm pretty much hundred percent in the camp of let's quit putting him out on there on special teams ever, but we didn't draft him to be a freaking special teams player, put him on offense, see what he can do. Cause he's looked, I think pretty darn good the last two weeks on offense. Well, I think he's shown flashes, and I, I, they cannot let him return punts or kicks anymore. That much is certain because he keeps coughing up the football. 
I wanted to briefly get back to what you said about what Aaron Rodgers said, because there's, I, I like it to a point, and then there's something about it that I don't like. And that is that, like everything Rodgers has ever said. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. He, you know, he's complicated as someone once said, but uh, yeah, I mean, to me, the problem is that he did not include himself in that statement and he has been making boneheaded plays in addition to everybody else. And I saw somebody on Twitter. I think it was Pac Daddy made the joke, like posted that video of, of Rogers saying like guys who are making multiple mistakes a game uh, should lose uh, reps and right. captioned it with, Oh, look, Aaron's advocating for uh, Jordan love. To get Jordan love. It, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the, the fact that he is not acknowledging that he is part of the problem to me is right. not the way to lead. And, there we is... also don't know what he's saying. We also don't know what he's saying in the locker room to these guys. We don't know. Correct. And, and we can't pretend to know. No, we cannot pretend to know. We don't know. But I hope sincerely that he is, in addition to criticizing other people, taking responsibility for his own poor play. Because while there are problems around him, the offensive line has not always been good, uh, the receiving core is certainly not in the top two thirds even of the league right now, as far as talent. And that's even before the injuries hit, but his play calling has not always been good. His passes have not always been accurate. His patience has not really been there. He has missed open receivers. He has not thrown even two open receivers. And, you know, for a guy making $50 million a year, who is the two-time defending back-to-back or reigning MVP of the league, I expected more from him than what I've gotten this year. Not that he's the main cause of these problems, but he's not really the solution right now either, and he needs to be to get this season turned around if there even is still a chance to turn this season around. So if the Packers are underperforming at every level, the Bills, I think, are overperforming. Everyone's already lofty expectations. They've been electric. They are uh, top two on offense, potentially number one on offense. They are top three on defense. These are just incredible, incredible teams um, or uh, team performances, I, I, I mean, that we're seeing every week. They do have some holes. I do want to kind of shed some light on where there are some weaknesses for them. Uh, the, the biggest one obviously would be the bills really cannot run the football. They are dreadful uh, running the football. The offensive line is average at best um, and, and very, very, very subpar uh, in run blocking. Their running backs are no good. Devin Singletary is, is one of the worst running backs uh, starting anywhere in the national football league. Yeah, but guess who leads the team in rushing right now? Oh, it's Josh Allen, of course. Josh Allen by one yard, but still, Josh Allen through six games leads the should Bills in no rushing. One. Huh? I said, which should, should surprise no one. Yeah, yeah. But, but in spite of that, uh, they, they happen to be first in the league in yards per game. So, you know, they, well, they're and, not and, a good running team. Right. No, they, they're a pass first, pass often team. And the crazy thing is that their numbers actually are not as good as they could be because of how often 
the game is iced pretty early and they're pulling Josh Allen and they're not running up the score. They're they're Josh Allen, I think, has played um, six fewer quarters than the average starting uh, quarterback who's played as many games as he has because he gets benched because the game is over. Right. <laughs> Why risk injury? So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, their their offense, uh, their passing offense is really, really good. Um, the offensive line is average at best in pass protection. So you would expect, you would expect that you should be able to really just tee off on, on the passing game. And unfortunately it's, it's not really working. Josh Allen is, uh, still quite good under pressure. And of course he can take off and run whenever, which you know what? It, tell me that the Packers are uh, not still bad against scrambling quarterbacks when they are, uh, you know, have actually demonstrated that they fixed it. I, I think sometimes we overplay it too much, but I, I certainly don't think that it could be listed as any kind of a strength of the Packers. Um, no, you know, I, I, I could tell you they've improved, but I'd be lying. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's that. Look, if I'm the Packers in this game, and and I wrote about this in my game preview, they've got a spy. They've got to have a spy on Josh Allen. And to me, you you improve two parts of your defense with one player, and that is Quay Walker. He has the speed to try to keep up with Josh Allen, and taking him out of coverage is probably a benefit to the team because he struggles at picking up players coming across the middle – and and so forth. So I think you improve two areas with one move by having Quay Walker try to shadow and and mm. and ghost Josh Allen and make sure he doesn't get out of the pocket. Yeah, that is interesting. I think the Packers really need to sell out to stop the pass. I think whatever yards Buffalo wants to take on the ground, I think you should maybe just kind of let them because they are pretty bad at running the ball. Um, you know, devote your resources to containing Josh Allen yes. and slowing down this passing attack. And that's kind of your only hope here to slow down their offense. Of course, it, w- it would help if the Packers were any kind of decent at uh, stopping the run as well. But I think that this is the team to be bad at, at stopping the run against. If Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, and Eric Stokes, and Adrian Amos, and and Darnell Savage can put it all together and play like the players they actually are, this is the defense to shut down the Buffalo Bills. It really is. Um, Nobody else is built to stop them the way the Packers are. The problem is they're not playing well. Even Jair, I really don't think, is playing well. Um, and, And I'm not just saying that because it was clunker of a game against Terry McLaurin. I don't think that he has looked like himself since 2020 when he was the best cornerback in football. He was off to a slow start last year. He has been off to a slow start again this year as well. He's just quite clearly not the player that we were hoping he was going to be for this season. Ditto for Rasul and Stokes. Uh, The safeties finally did have a good game last week. That was encouraging to see. You know what? Maybe this is the week that you build off of that. It would be nice if we saw just... (laughs) we're on a three game losing streak. Can we please, please just have one week where you have something that went well last week and you build off of that this week, instead of just throwing it in the garbage can 
and uh, you know, bottoming out there worse than you were before. Can we, can we please just can yeah. we have good safety play, good linebacker play like we had last week, and then have the rest of the defense build on that and come come along with it? Like, come on, one week of of building, please. It would be nice. It would be very nice. And you know, the scary thing is the Packers still give up less yards through the air per game than any other team in the league. Of course, the fact that the run defense is so atrocious means teams don't have to throw against the Packers. Exactly. When you're you're averaging uh, a first down every time you run against the Packers, why pass the ball at all? (laughs) Run run the ball, run the clock down, and go home. (laughs) Yeah, and teams have done it consistently. The interesting thing about Buffalo – yeah, and, and and I think this is one of those times when um, a, a, a lot of fans of a lot of fans out there get frustrated with PFF grades. If you look at the Buffalo offense overall, they don't have very highly graded players across most of the offense. Uh, Josh Allen is elite. Stephon Diggs is elite, and everybody else. I mean, to call them riffraff is is I think being a little bit generous in terms of the grades. But Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs has been absolutely unstoppable. Normally, were the Packers playing up to their normal standard, this would be where this is where I would be noting that Jair Alexander has a lot of experience with shutting down Stephon Diggs. But mm-hmm. you know what? I, he's not playing like Jair right now, and the Packers are not playing like, like the Packers. Well, I, I think you know two things that that I look at when I saw this matchup with regard to what you were talking about now. I think the Packers, as a team, cannot play very much exclusive man-to-man defense because Josh Allen can just send everybody 10, 15 yards down the field and then run for 15, 20 yards at a stretch if they play exclusively man. And yet at the same time, I think the only way you slow down Stephon Diggs is to match up Jair against Diggs man-to-man and then play zone with the rest of your defense and, and again, have a spy out there to try to contain Allen and not let him get the big game. But uh, I think he... I, I agree that that is absolutely the correct plan. Yes, whether they can execute it or not, but I think that's your best hope because you look at the statistics for the Bills and, you know, Stefan Diggs has three times as many receptions as the next highest wide receiver on the season. He's got 49. The next highest guy has 17 uh, out out of all the wide receivers. That's a huge, huge gap. The number two receiver on the team is their running back, Devin Singletary. So you've got to try to match up your best cover corner against Diggs. And if Diggs beats him consistently, you got to just tip your hat. I, I don't think there's anything else you could do. The Bills don't punt very much. Uh, They certainly score a lot of touchdowns. They put up a field goal here or there, but they also do turn over the ball quite a lot, which is a bit of a strange statistic. What do you make of that, Gil? Uh, It tells me that they're explosive enough to overcome that. When you are turning the ball over a lot and you're still, uh, you know, second in the league in, in points per game and first in the league in yards per game, you're dangerous and you're doing something right. Yeah, the Bills have 21 touchdowns. 17 of those have come through the air. 
Uh, they have three rushing touchdowns. Uh, I believe two of those are uh, Josh Allen's alone. And then the defense has a... Um, yeah, two of those rushing touchdowns belong to Josh Allen. Uh, and then they have a pick six on defense. And if you compare that to just 11 punts this season across six games, they are... This is an offense that is tough to slow down. But but I think that uh, obviously, given the way the Packers have been playing, the thing we are the most concerned about is the Bills' defense because the Packers' offense just does not want to get anything going. When you look at their defense overall, uh, it's it's easy to see why they are uh, doing so well. Uh, if you look at the guys who played the most snaps on on the team. It's all really highly graded players. So this is kind of the opposite of what you're seeing on offense. And, th- and their top three highest graded defensive players are all edge rushers. You got Von Miller. We all know uh, Boogie Basham. And then Greg Rousseau, who's a dude I really liked in the draft. Um, he's been absolutely killing it in pass rush. Yep. And Matt Milano linebacker. He's the guy who had the uh, pick six. Um, uh, you, you mentioned to me uh, before recording. Matt Milano at linebacker is playing quite well. Uh, safety Jordan Poyer is is obviously a freak, and they still have Micah Hyde, who is having a bit of a down year by Micah Hyde standards, but still quite, quite good. And and it's like, you know, okay, so if this is kind of your uh, starting base defense, it's like an embarrassment of riches after that. You know, if you keep keep going through the names and grades after that, it's it it just doesn't drop off. You're looking at guys who would be starting for a lot of other teams, um, defenses, uh, who are, you know, backups and rotational guys. It's, it really is a, a, an embarrassment of riches. The bills are stunningly good on defense and, uh, and, and it perfectly complements how electric they are on offense. The fact that the Packers are 10 and a half point dogs in this game is not surprising. And I think, I think maybe that's a little bit generous, to the Packers. And I'm not saying that as like a way to trash the Packers further, but just like to heap a little bit more praise on just how just dominant and crazy good the bills have been. They have had a few close games recently uh, against the chiefs, the Ravens. Uh, Let's see the dolphins game. Obviously they lost by two points. Uh, Some of these close losses or uh, close wins, sorry, have been uh, some garbage time points, but still the, the bills are, are kind of steamrolling through everybody. And I'll just say right now, the bills are my pick to win the super bowl this year. There were a lot of people's picks to win the super bowl preseason and through the first seven weeks, no reason to question that prediction. No, no, no reason to question it. Uh, barring some very damaging injuries, this team is firing on all cylinders right now. And I, I would think they're going to be the favorites to get home field advantage, especially after they beat Kansas City, who's probably the other team battling them for that spot. Well, I'd say that those are the number one and two best teams in football. And I would say the Eagles are probably a distant third would be my thought. It it certainly seems like the AFC is going to take home a crown at the end of the season, or I should say a trophy. Well, I hope not, but we'll see. This is an interesting game to try and predict the score of. Largely, as I mentioned, because the uh, opposing teams have been able to run up the score in garbage time against the Bills. So, 
you know, maybe, uh, you know, they allow the Packers to cover late, but also the Packers are not a team that will, that tends to rally late. I know they did put up a late touchdown to Aaron Jones last week against uh, Washington. But here's my question to you, Gil, who on this planet would be surprised if the Packers won this game? I mean, I mean, really, is there anybody who would be surprised and say, wow, I didn't see that coming. I didn't know the Packers had that in them. Wow. Uh like like they have the talent. They they clearly do have the talent. They just play sloppy, undisciplined football every week and they look like they don't care. Would it be that weird in prime time against the best team in the NFL for the Packers to suddenly show up prepared and polished and energized and excited to play and actually play well? Would it actually surprise anybody? I don't think it would. I think you might be ticked that like, hey, you know, it's nice to know that you can do this. Uh, where was this the last three weeks? It would surprise me, to be honest with you, because they just haven't shown. If I look back at the first seven games of this season, they haven't played a complete game or close no. to it in no. any of them. No. And I like to point to the Bears game and, and talk about how, you know, how they look good in that one. And I'm going, no, the only thing they look good doing in that game, you know, was their their offense was uh, it was explosive. They were marching down the field quite well, but they, they also kept coughing the ball up. Uh, they got away from running the ball late. And then the, the defense looked atrocious against the Bears. Absolutely horrific. Yeah, no, the, the, you know what it is? It would surprise me because. Some you know the old expression that you are what your record says you are. Well, based on the performances that this team has had so far this season, they are not a complete football team, and I hate to say it, they are not a good football team. Oh, they're a terrible football team. And would it surprise me? Would it shock me if they put together a complete game, seemingly out of nowhere, and beat the Buffalo Bills, arguably the best team in the league? Yeah, it really would. It would shock me. I'd love to be shocked. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't see it right now. I don't see a way for this team to to get the W against a very good Buffalo Bills team in Buffalo. Uh, just just not looking not looking good. Gil, uh, if, if you take... Um... 24 points as like the line of if the defense holds the bills under 24 points, the defense did their job. And if the Packers score 24 points on offense, the offense did their job. Which side of the ball do you think was more likely to do their job? Think that they're more likely to hold the bills under 24 or they're more likely to score over 24. And I just, just uh, don't, don't throw a defensive, scoring into that so don't you know don't say that the Packers are going to get a pick six and that'll push them over 24 we're talking about just the offense yeah I I would say the odds are stronger that the defense comes Mm -hmm. up with under 24 but I don't think either one of them is likely what about you I I have two different score predictions in my head that I'm like waffling between the one is the one that I think is going to happen and then the other is is like um playing it a little bit uh, smarter odds of, of uh, you know, looking at the spread, 
um, looking at the uh, point total and, and, you know, really trying to win in, in our point projection game. But I'll, I'll say there, there's a part of my brain that really thinks that you're going to see something like 30 to three, the Packers getting annihilated. That, that, that feels very much in the cards. It's a real fear and a real possibility based on the way this team has been playing. Uh, unfortunately, of course, the Packers do tend to play well in primetime. They've won 13 consecutive primetime games. I think it's the longest such streak in the NFL. Sure doesn't seem like they are poised to extend that to 14. Uh, I mean, that's not even worth talking about. But could the cap, could the Packers keep it close? Do you think that this could end up being like a, a five-point game by the end? Which, which I think, I think if it's like a five-point game, and it's not just like, a, you know, garbage time points kind of put you there. But like you actually play a competitive game throughout. I think that that is against this Bills team. I think that that could be considered, if not a success, at least some forward progress and something to uh, maybe believe in if you're the players and think, you know what? We, we have sucked against these bad teams. But when we went up against the Bills, who are clearly a premier team, we still held our own. That's still within us. Ah, boy. You're more optimistic than me. That's how I would put it. (laughs) All right, Gil, give me your score prediction and and tell me how you see this game shaking out. Uh, My score prediction for this week, I think the Packers will hang around. I think they'll make it interesting. But I think the Bills will pull away late. I go Buffalo 28, Green Bay 17. Well, I'll just say I was going to say 27-17. So, as usual, we're very close. We're in the same ballpark, yeah. So, the big difference is that you are picking the Bills to cover. I'm picking the Packers to cover. That's that's the difference right there. So. Right. 28-17, to 27-17. Uh, either way, not going to be pretty. Um but I think this is probably going to be a more fun game than it has been the last few weeks. Uh, I actually did not watch the Washington game live. I had no interest in doing that. I did go through and review uh, kind of how the game went uh, so that I could prep for podcasting this week because I, I wanted to have some context for how the Packers are playing. And it was, it was I think, kind of worse than I was expecting. But like I said, I thought Amari did some good stuff. The Packers wide receiver core is going to be even more depleted this week than they have been. You're going to be missing Alan Lazard. It's going to be Sammy Watkins and Amari Rogers and Samori Toure and Juwan Winfrey. And that's, well, probably not Juwan Winfrey. Uh, it's 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 not going to be a, <laughs> a very pretty sight. No, it's not going to be a very pretty sight. And, you know, they have to activate Winfrey if they want him to play. They have to put him on the exactly. 53 because they can't bring him up. Uh, it feels with, inevitable though, with with Lazard not playing. That feels well, inevitable. Yeah, that you, but that they got to make room on the roster. They got to make some kind of a move. I hope they will. But uh, Gosh, where where are we going to find a, a stinky player to cut on this roster? Who's where not a wide receiver? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. The, the problem is that there are a lot of guys you could cut based on performance, but you know, would you based on everything else? It's uh, 
Joe Barry made a comment that uh, Josh Allen reminds him of Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Newton, except he said, I think Josh is bigger and faster than Ben and a better passer than Newton. Uh, I think he's talking about prime Cam Newton, not uh, the Cam Newton we've seen over the last like six years. Yeah, yeah. You think there's a chance that the Christian Watson comes back? I forgot to mention Romeo Dobbs when I was listing the listing the uh, wide receivers. You think Christian Watson's going to be back this week? He uh, did, practice, did practice on Wednesday and on Thursday. He did, and I think he will be back, but I think he will be limited as to what he'll be able to do. And I, I think it's going to be one of those situations where oh, – Of course he's limited. Oh, yeah. I, I think he'll be well, you back. Mean limited in reps. I thought, uh, yeah, I'm I'm saying he's going to be limited uh, by his playing ability. You're saying limited in, in reps. Yes, I, I think he'll be limited by his reps. And I think that overall they need to, boy, you, you know, it is going to be so important for the Packers to spread the ball around. And Aaron Rodgers is going to have to take a leap of faith to trust some of these younger receivers, whether it's uh, Torre or Watson in the limited reps that he gets or Amari Rogers or. Uh, but he also has to throw accurate passes and, yeah. and actually yes. throw to open guys. I'm, I'm tired of seeing Romeo Dobbs wide open and not get the ball and then see Romeo Dobbs get the ball when he's blanketed. I'm, I'm really sick of that. Like just Rogers. If I, if I could, wish for one thing to change about the way he's playing Aaron go through your freaking progressions quit staring a guy down every single play go through your progressions I get that you don't trust your your offensive line but but the, the this offense would be better with you flat on your back than with you refusing to make decisions and refusing to take opportunities just go through your progressions he's not doing it no he, he's not doing it He's not going through his progressions. He's not uh, accurate. The most frustrating thing, too, he's got, like, Aaron Jones or or different receivers open in the flat, and he can't find them. It's a three-yard pass. If he, does, if he does look at him, he can't hit him. He's hitting, right. hitting the dirt. Right. It's, it, it's a short pass, and he can't accurately deliver the ball, whether he's under pressure or he's not under pressure. I'm telling you, watching Aaron Rodgers right now, I know he's frustrated, but he's making us frustrated because of the way he's going about things. Prediction time. Do the Packers trade for a wide receiver before the deadline? You know what? I think they will. But as I wrote in an article earlier this week, I don't think they should. I don't think they should either, but I, I also think they probably will. The the one thing is if uh, Goody and Mark Murphy are in agreement about the reality that this is a lost season, kind of no matter what, because because the upcoming rebuild, as I was talking about on my other podcast on Wednesday, this upcoming rebuild is ugly because the one thing that they still have is draft picks. They got. They, they have re- managed to retain all their draft picks, but they have thrown away all their salary cap uh, in the name of of making the 2021 season happen, which I, you recall how ticked off I was about that and how I was uh, begging to not burn <laughs> 2022 and 2023 and 2024 money on the 2021 season. 
how upset I was about that and uh, got into it with a lot of people about, uh, you know, saying that we needed to cut Sedarius before the 2021 season, you know, that kind of stuff, which which uh, sounded crazy. And, and at that point, we didn't know yet that he was going to miss a lot of the season with an injury. But I was looking ahead at like this year when, gosh, it'd be nice to be able to sign a free agent wide receiver this past offseason. Couldn't do it because you didn't have any money. You know, the, the lot, a lot of a lot of coulda, woulda, shoulda for this season that ties back to uh, the, the 2020, 2021 seasons where we burned today's uh, rent money <laughs> on, on another Lamborghini back in uh, 2021. Yeah. And, you know, it's to me, if you understand, like. The, the the problem is that the cost for bringing in a receiver who's good enough to make a difference and and experienced enough to gain Rodgers' trust in a very short amount of time, the cost in both draft picks, players, or salary would be too big. And I don't know if there's enough time to, to turn things around anyway. So you're you're hampering all aspects of your rebuild if you do that and chasing you know, good money after bad, basically. You know, one thing you and I have not talked about in private, and so I'm curious about your thoughts here. Do you, who, <clears throat> right, right now, do you think that uh, Matt LaFleur is on the hot seat at all? No. Uh, do I, I don't think he's on the hot seat, but I think if this team doesn't show any any spark, any consistency, any ability to adjust, he will start next year on the hot seat. You think Aaron Rodgers will be back next year? Not if the season continues to go the way it's going now. What I think at think? a minimum, at a minimum, I, I think we w- should expect to see uh, maybe some more coaching turnover after the season. I, I don't think Joe Barry is it. I don't, I, I think he's gone after the season. And and you recall, I was, I was a pretty big long time Mike Pettin defender. Uh, I, I was definitely on the fire capers bandwagon, but I wanted to keep uh, Mike Pettin a lot longer than anybody else did. Uh, but Joe Barry, I, I don't think is it. Well, there may be some coaching turnover. I think there's no question. I think there is every year, realistically, and, uh, especially if your team does well. Now, there may be a little less turnover uh, as far as other teams trying to poach assisting coaches from the Packers. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it's one of those situations where I'm looking at it. And if this team is going to struggle next year, I don't think Rodgers is the right guy to bring back at $50 million a year. I I just don't think he has the patience or the ability to deal with a less than ideal situation with adversity, with the challenge of integrating new receivers into the lineup and dealing with a team that has the inconsistency that this team has. I don't think he's the right guy for the job to turn this team around right now. And if he's only going to be here another year max, he might as well retire at the end of this season. 
I mean, he's getting uh, paid 50 million bucks for this year, 60 million for next year. And anybody who tries to argue that we're getting 50 million bucks of value out of him right now is they're trying to sell you something funny. I, I don't recall. What did you say before this season when, you know, we were all debating the pros and cons of trading him to Denver and, uh, were, were you on the side of we should uh, extend him or trade him? I was on the side of extend him, but he has disappointed me this year. I really thought that he would be more of a leader than what he's shown over the course of this year, that he would understand that without Devonte Adams, he would have to make adjustments and he would have to work harder with his new receivers to integrate them into the lineup and, uh, change his approach to to audibles and 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 do things that were outside of his comfort zone, and I just haven't seen him being able to able or willing to do that over the course of this year on a consistent basis. And it's not all his fault, yeah. but it it no. is partially his fault. He he bears responsibility for a lot of these problems. Not you know sole responsibility, maybe not even the majority of the responsibility, but he's a part of the problem right now. Well, I think that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers clearly have to get on the same page as each other. Like they're, they're trying to run two different offenses and it's mm-hmm. abysmal. And the other, the other guy who needs to get on board with Aaron and uh, Matt is Brian Gutekinds. These three guys, I think all three guys have pretty different plans for the Packers and I think <laughs> I think you could pick the worst plan of the three and have all three commit to it and work at it together and find way more success than what you're seeing right now with them all trying to run in opposite directions from each other. It's just it's just a disjointed mess. And the rest of the team doesn't believe in the leadership. They're not playing for each other. They're not playing for their coaches and the, you know, the, the various guys on offense and defense who are supposed to be the leaders. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at Rashawn, uh, um, uh, Jair, uh, in, in particular. And I think, uh, Rashawn and Kenny are, are, are factors in there as well. And Devondre. Uh, looking at Devondre, looking at Bakhtiari Rogers, trying to think who else, uh, on off Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, you know, guys who are supposed to be leaders, you know, they 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 aren't they don't have buy-in from the rest of the team either. And and it's it's just a disjointed and, and ugly mess. Uh we do have to before we run out of time here, we gotta to touch on the injury report real quick. Yeah. David Bakhtiari did not practice on Thursday. I think that one was planned, but I still think he's questionable to play this week. So you might get another week of Zach Tom out there. Or Sean Garrett, what's that? Or you might get the alternating series thing again. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, we should um, actually, you know what we should do? We should check in on how this new offensive line did this past week because the results were certainly a lot prettier. So looking, uh, let's see, David Bakhtiari. Um, Didn't play. Did not play. I'm trying to cut this down to just last week. Let's see. Um so John Runyon did have himself a bounce back game. Uh, he was uh, pretty fantastic in pass blocking. Uh, Josh Myers was good in pass blocking. Zach Tom, quite good in pass blocking. Uh, and then Yash Nyman, uh, who played right tackle, 
he, he did not look as good as he had earlier in the year when he was playing left tackle. Uh, but, but not, not terrible. He did have two penalties called on him. So that was kind of the, uh, low mark for him that frustrated me, but there was one guy who just weighed the whole offensive line down like an anchor. That was Elton Jenkins. Uh, they stuck him at left guard. He got worse at left guard than he had been at right tackle. I think the the impact of him playing like crap was minimized by putting him in at guard instead of tackle. Mm Mm-hmm. But he was bad, no question about it. And then if you look at true pass sets, his grade goes from a 41.3 down to a 22.5. The dude was hot garbage in pass blocking. And then the bad news is that all of the good run blockers were receivers and uh, tight ends. And you know who uh, graded out higher than four of the offensive linemen in run blocking? All right, Ooh. so you got Yash and Iman was the highest graded run blocker on the whole team. <clears throat> but if you go down one, two, three, four, five names, uh, there's a guy who shows up ahead of Josh Myers, ahead of Elton Jenkins, ahead of John Runyon, ahead of Zach Tom, ahead of Mercedes Lewis and Tyler Davis. And where is Tunyon? Yep, Tunyon was dead last in run blocking, so ahead of him. Aaron Rodgers had a higher run blocking grade <laughs> than four of our freaking offensive linemen. So you want to know why the team sucks. It's because of crap like this. I'm not saying that this is the one and only reason I'm saying you can find 30 reasons like this across the team where we're just executing like hot garbage. When Aaron Rodgers is your fifth best run blocker, give me a freaking break. Yeah, let's try it on our forty-year-old quarterback and have him outperform four of our of our uh, starting offensive linemen in run run blocking. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, back to the injury report. So Rashawn Gary um, did finally practice on Thursday. Uh, he was being evaluated for a concussion and was not allowed to practice prior to that, but he's back. Shamar Jean Charles has been working with an uh, with an ankle injury all week. hasn't practiced once. Uh, Elton Jenkins didn't practice on Wednesday was upgraded to limited on Thursday. So, you know, monitor that if you want to, I think honestly, give him a week and just to just rest. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I don't like the alternative of like throwing Royce back out there or something, but, uh, give Elton Jenkins a break. He, he needs rest or something because what, what we've been doing with him is not working. Moving around didn't help. Let's try giving him the week off. That's, that's my last remaining theory. Al Lazard, not practicing at all, not expected to play, uh, might miss some time with this shoulder injury. Maybe a few weeks. We'll see. Aaron Rodgers didn't practice on Wednesday. He was upgraded to limited on Thursday. Tell you what. Not for the Bills game, but next week. If his thumb is still bothering him at all, I think you just use that as an excuse and say, listen, you know what? We uh, had Christian Watson come out for a few weeks and rest rather than re-aggravate this uh, ham or you know keep aggravating this hamstring injury. We're going to bench Rodgers for a week or two here to, you know, quote unquote, rest his thumb. And what we're really going to do is let's just see what happens when we put Jordan Love out there on offense. I'm just curious to see, does it get better or worse with Rodgers off the field? I just I just kind of want to know. And even if, the, even if we already kind of know the answer, I still just kind of want to know. Well, <clears throat> if the team isn't able to turn things around, 
in another few weeks, at what point do you just say, you know what, let's see what Jordan Love can do for the rest of the season because we aren't making the playoff. Yeah. We, we may get to that point pretty soon. Uh, Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson have been limited all week. Had to see which of those two or both or neither can suit up and play. That's it for the Packers injury report. Looking at the Bills, I think uh, Spencer Brown at tackle is uh, probably the most significant yeah. thing to keep an eye on there. Uh, he is their starting right tackle, so that is a big deal if they can't have him out there. He's not a fantastic uh, player, but he's, you know, he's their best right tackle. So, um, any of the Mitch Morse, their center also banged up, uh, but he's just limited and give, been giving uh veteran rest. So I expect him to play Jordan. Yep. Boyer looks like he had a personal thing on Thursday. And, but the only reason it's, uh, worth looking at is that he, was limited on Wednesday. So we'll see. I don't think there's enough injury wise here to swing the game at all for the, for the Packers in, in their favor, unless you think that uh, they're already mm, subpar offensive line gets bad without uh, Brown at right tackle. And you know, if that really allows Rashawn to get a lot of pressure on Josh Allen, maybe that could swing things for the game, but uh, yep. This is this is uh, the first week of the season, I think, where it really matters what the Bills do. Like the, the last few weeks, it's all been it's all been about can the Packers get out of their own way. This week, it's uh, I, I think the full strength Packers would still really struggle to go to Buffalo and pull out a win uh, this Sunday night. The Bills are absolutely fantastic. I think it's going to be a fun game no matter what, and I, I really hope the Packers show up and give us a good show regardless of the final outcome of the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that it's an interesting and close game. And, you know, the, the one thing that could happen, uh, even though there are no such thing as moral victories in the National Football League, but you go on the road against Buffalo and make a strong showing and keep the game close the whole way and show that you can yep. go toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the league, Maybe you get some of your confidence back and maybe you get some direction on this team. Yeah, I, I, I would see a close loss here on Sunday as as a positive sign. Yeah, um, because we're, we're expecting them to, to get blown out, you know. So and and by the way, we didn't check in on our, our score predictions from last week because it's just kind of kind of humiliating. But we got zero points because we both picked the Packers to cover. We both took the under. Uh, the score went over and obviously the Packers got their faces handed to them. So there you go. Zero, zero. We're still tied at eight and eight on the season. Uh, we got uh, similar predict- score predictions this week, but a chance for either one of us to move ahead based on whether the bills or Packers cover. So like I said, I think it's going to be a fun game. I am looking forward to it, but that's going to do it for us today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. You can email us at askmillhuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not